Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hearts on fire. Strong desire. Burning deep within. Bit of Rocky Four for you there, for the challenge. Oh, right. Okay. I had no idea what that was. Come on. It's consider- Rocky's fight back music. And considering it's, how much you've talked up this song that you've been preparing, I feel nothing but let down. How do you not know where that song's from? This is Slogging It. I'm John O'Gordon, and with me as always, my wonderful co-host Eugene and also Simon. Gentlemen. Sorry, Sam, I couldn't help it. We have got loads to discuss in the next 45 minutes to maybe an hour. Hopefully, we'll get through a lot of it. We're going to talk about Zampa's Mancad World Test Championship, Clubbies retiring from international cricket, the SA20, the Big Bash, the Ashes Walk, Australia versus South Africa, or Australia versus a load of clubbies, Pakistan versus New Zealand. Who have all now retired. (laughs) (laughs) We've got three listener questions. Joe Root going to a T20 franchise league, Harry Brook being pulled from a T20 franchise league. And we are going to, we have to come back to the thing that we were going to talk about last week that we didn't manage to. So, Robbo, where would you like to start? Wait, what, what do we weigh? I Ooh. mean, I've done the song specifically for the weight challenge. I've checked in at 102 kilos. So, so was, Rock, was Rocky fat? It's to do with the challenge. Ch- the challenge, Jono. The, cha- the challenge. Starting a challenge. Is- burning desire inside oh, was, to lose that was, weight was rocky we found out that challenge. eugene can lose the equivalent of me that's one <laughs> thing we found out off air and still be within the healthy weight zone according to the chest fact yeah i just can't wait for him to actually look like mark Curtin. damn it i've said his name again fuck's sake i promised myself i wouldn't he was texting me today he was like can't believe you said that about me and he says, even worse, I can't believe you put me in the same bracket as Tom Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> the, I mean, the man who shall not be named. I mean, Jono, you're having a stinker here. All <laughs> these names that you're right. mentioning. That I shouldn't be. Right, okay. So, the weight challenge. For those who didn't listen last week, obviously, first question, why the fuck not? We are doing the Ashes Walk, as you will probably know by now. But as a precursor to that, the three of us have had an agreement whereby the person who loses the most weight between now and the start of the walk will be purchased for the Lord's Taverners balloon debate at Lord's in the long room next December, or this December, crikey, that's gone quick, a brand new tuxedo, as it is a black tie event. So, Robbo, you did just say, but I didn't hear it. So what is your weight in kilograms, please? 102. 102. Okay. That surprises me. I don't know. I do. Hang on a minute. <laughs> we, we, what more or less than you thought it would be? <laughs> uh, more. 
Yeah, I carry it well, mate, don't I? I'm 192 centimetres. Well, I obviously carry mine terribly badly because I look like a fucking blimp compared to you and I'm only 108. I mean, yes, there's a whole stone of difference, to be fair. I think Eugene's looking at us going, Eugene being the shortest of the three of us. I mean, I don't know if there's a common theme, is it? The taller they are, the less we weigh. Just on this, it's like the reverse of that evolution of man video that people use. Lisa said to me the other day, she went, fat, you're just deep. <laughs> you can... Just deep. If you look at me from which, straight which on, which is something she's never said to you before. If you look at if you look at me from straight on, I actually look like I'm in reasonable nick. But if you look at me from side on, it looks like I'm constantly in a room of those fucking odd mirrors that make you look like all funny weird shapes and sizes. So <laughs> anyway, sorry. So I we've got. I can't go over the fact that Lisa's told you you're deep. That was just <laughs> astounded me. Yeah, she's genuinely never said that in any other context. So Simon 102, John O 108, Eugene, how much? Is 25% of your weight. About what you can lose and still weigh more than I do. Exactly, yes. So I unfortunately stood on the scale and it did say one person at a time first and then it threw up a number. Excuse me, excuse me can two of you step off here, please? No, take one of you. And then it came back and told me a weight of which I don't think I've ever seen. It is. I cannot uh, wait the, to hear this. It is the, well... Let's just get it Stop. out there. 143 kilos. Fuck me sideways. I wasn't joking when I said he could lose me and still be with him. <laughs> and then healthy weight. Fucking hell. You know when I was saying I was trying to push my discovery up, up the hill the wrong way the other day? I reckon I'd have had more trouble trying to push you up. Again, a consolation, I'm, I'm starting to direct debit to a suit making. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, since I did that, which was uh, yesterday morning, I have ridden the equivalent of about 50 miles and done about 50 k. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a minute. So you've started exercising pre Pre the launch. Well, no, I started exercising weeks ago. Because when we right. started talking, it wasn't about the fucking walk, doing a deal. <laughs> True. Um, well, if it was, imagine how much I did weigh. Oh, yeah, uh, where, where are you, Eugene? Are your scales in your house? No, it's on one of them bridges that them lorries have to drive on to. <laughs> very good, Simon. Very yes, good. Yes, Sorry, you. Yes, you're on the A3 to the Waybridge. Not to Waybridge, to the Waybridge. Are, yeah, yeah. are you scaled in your house now, Eugene? Yes. I demand a recount right now on air. Go. No, because it might have gone all. Let him stick with 142. I mean, what? I mean, right, Jono, what is your. Although I said it as a gag, what's the best case scenario here? 140? Like, he's not going to miraculously weigh 106, is he? So we've actually got a chance. Can I just clarify? We are very much an equal opportunities podcast, and in no way are we anything but body positive. I feel like we should get that out there. I've I'm got loads shape. of one-liners going in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, no one's going to steal this from me. I am in shape, lads. Round is a shape. <laughs> right, so the challenge is we've got whoever loses the most weight by the start of the walk I mean, this is great because it means we've now got to carry some extra on the walk, which is a set of scales to the start. Well, I'm sure, pretty sure we can get one of those point up. Yeah, or just, yeah. just a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, moving on. Simon, oh, you chose where to start. So that's it. That's it. That's the walk. More will be coming out. We've got a big meeting tomorrow that we're very excited about. And then we'll feed you, feed back into you about that next week. Eugene, where would you like to go next? The demise of South African cricket in uh, over in Australia. Yeah, I mean, thank God for rain. Mm -hmm. You know, it would have been 3-0. Again, let's look at the positives. Australia were just phenomenal. I feel really sorry for Uzi, Usman Khawaja, not getting his 200. Jason Gillespie has a 200. Usman Khawaja does not. But yeah, what an unbelievable summer the Australians have had and are having. Mm. You look at pretty much everything that they've done. Every record's been broken. Steve Smith's gone past Bradman's runs. He's gone past like run scorers. David Warner was man of the series somehow. Travis Head has just scored runs for fun. It's the most double hundreds ever in Australia. It's just record after record fell in Australia, which was really unbelievable. And look... When you lose to that sort of side or that sort of caliber, South Africa were second in the World Test Championship. They've now dropped to fourth. There is still a slim chance that they can make the finals come, I forget when it is now. I think it's March, right? Is it uh, March? It should be an Elder Lords again. I think it so, can't. yes. I think it, it, it can't be, can't be in, uh, Lords in March. It's not March. 
No, it won't be March then. Freddie, we were prepared, right? So yeah, I mean, just what an unbelievable series for Australia or unbelievable summer for Australia. As you said, the South Africans look like clubbies. The bowlers looked all right for pieces of it. I mean, Nokia just looks phenomenal. Rabada looks tired. What a find in Janssen. Yeah, it's, it was an interesting series to watch. Sydney, though, why do they keep playing tests there? I mean, I looked at the statistics of the amount of rained out days. It's just phenomenal, right? It's got the same, it matches Manchester, doesn't it? The around rained off days deciding test cricket. Well, yeah, it matches Manchester on rain, but I can guarantee the sunny days in Sydney are a lot fucking better than they are in Manchester. Yeah, valid. Yeah, it, um, it's, it's one of them, isn't it? Talking of South Africans, I'm going to talk about two international club cricketers retiring, both over the years, stolen a living, representing their country. You will have heard me talk about Dwayne Pretorius over the years on the podcast. How on earth that bloke has made a living out of playing international cricket, God only knows. The other guy, Fahan Bahadian, I hope I pronounced that right, or Bahadine. Close. Um, yeah. De- not a bad cricketer, actually. Decent batter, good fielder. But he's also announced his retirement in the last couple of weeks, apparently. But yeah, sorry to see the club cricket legend, Dwayne Pretorius, finally depart the international cricketing stage. Johnny, I've got an announcement. I've got an announcement. Go on. I'm retiring from international cricket. I think, okay. Thank you for sharing. I just want to make everyone aware that... Can you retire from international cricket if you've not played international cricket? Making myself unavailable. Ah, there we go. So, 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 Jonah, Jonah, I've got an announcement. I'm retiring from international cricket. I mean, but you have, you, you have played international (laughs) cricket, Eugene. See what I did there? See what I did there? Yeah. (laughs) For Botswana under 15s, when they were playing, you played one game against Chad C team, didn't you? Seem to remember. Something like that, yeah. Something like that. No, in all seriousness, Eugene, I think, had a, an average nearing 50 in international cricket with the bat, not with yeah, the ball. qualifies. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Both. <laughs> he's bowling, yeah, his bowling average was 76. Yeah, World Cup um, qualifiers for the 2003 World Cup. I played in the Africa South World Cup qualifiers against Zambia, Namibia, Couple of other countries, Tanzania. Yeah. Right. Did you take a I'm catch like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Plenty, plenty. Oh, you've ta- you've mentioned your international career more than I've mentioned cleaning you up. That's factually incorrect. In other news, I've got a very good friend of the pod has received an international call up. Toby Tarrant. No, Rich Wild listens in Australia. Mm. He's originally from Calverton, Nottingham, but has been yeah. selected for Australia over forties. Oh, that's fantastic news. Hold well on. I mean, in front of a lot of very good ex-cricketers, one of which being a very good friend of his called Mark Cleary, that played for Australia A, played for Leicester in the T20, played some sort of format games at a very high level in Australia, played for South Australia for a very long time. But yeah, so congratulations, Rich. Yeah, well um, done, Rich. That's English, amazing. An Englishman being called up to that, he, he has mentioned in the local press, in some in Australia that he won't be singing the national anthem, but he does find it very funny that he's been selected. So <laughs> that's incredible. That's yeah, incredible. congratulations to him. So, well, hopefully we can be the first to break the uh, the news on the next club cricketer's international retirement where Rich gives it up. <laughs> right? Yeah, because I mean he's over here in, in two weeks, so that might be a, a live on the live uh, on the, talk, uh, on the pod. Talking of international Australian cricketers, Adam Zampa's had an interesting. Weak, hasn't he? What a twat. So good. All right, so enough good. about his hairdo. I was talking about the mancad attempt. Run out. It's oh, a run out attempt, yeah. But if you're going to do it, if you're going to make yourself like, like, at least when Ashwin's done it, he's accepted the fact he looks like a dick. He's taken that on board and gone, yeah, I don't care, but I'm good at being a dick. Adam Zampa has tried to be a dick and failed miserably because he doesn't know the rules or laws of being a dick on the cricket pitch. Yeah, yeah. We'll say this. Post-interview, though, his interview around it was amazing. He goes, I guess I'm a man-catter now. And just move on. <laughs> Took it on the chin. Yeah. He's just like, yeah. I mean, th- look, there's two schools of thought right now. This is becoming very fashionable. I reckon this summer, in our wonderful game here in England, there is going to be no less than 
I would say, 50 man cads or runouts during our cricket league across the country. Oh, Not in maybe. the county league, in, in club cricket. I think that'll be about a week. Yeah, it's going to be so fashionable right now. Everybody's just going to be doing it. Crikey. How do people do it as a seamer? Like, this is a, you know, another thing. Like, you've got to... Well, don't ask Jono. ...about it. Oh, brilliant. I mean, I'm a big fan. I was actually thinking which one of them is going to mention my name first. Jono might click... To be fair, Jono might clip his back pocket with a ball as the batter runs. And just the ball might come out and hit the stump. But trickle... Yeah. I mean, that's a skill. Well, yeah. Um, Yeah, uh, getting struck on the pad—that that is a fine skill. Get away! I, yeah, there's another. Yeah. I, I, I always managed to find myself a new pad. Funnily enough, though, by the following week, don't I? So it still looks clean. Yeah, it's almost like you're owning. Nah, I think it. Yeah, I think the thing with the man cat is, if it does start becoming a big thing in league cricket and cricket and whatever other, they've got to start taking it out of the players' hands putting it in, in umpire's hands and just going, right, we're going to stop this before it starts. But just make it illegal and change the laws. So if a batter, like if a batter runs one short, the batting side get punished. That's all the batter's effectively doing. So just punish the batting team more, minus five. Every time they do it, it's a dead ball and minus five. Do it many times as you like, kids. Yeah, yeah. We saw Tim David do that today and they've made a rule around that where he, and they yeah. got penalized five runs for it so look i like the idea i think somebody's mentioned i forget which commentary team mentioned it saying look if they're looking so closely at no balls they can make sure that the non-striking batsman is well within their crease and if they're not at the point of delivery you know there's got to be a penalty for it because yeah. they are gaining an advantage so that would help the i guess the stopping of run out or man cads whichever you want to call it so yeah, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks, I guess. Right, what have we yet to mention? We've got some listener questions. Actually, we should break them up. So should we go for the first listener question first? Right. First question from Dylan. Who were your cricketing idols growing up and who did you try and imitate when playing? Simon. I had three, really. They were Kirtley Ambrose, Glenn McGraw and Darren Goff. Growing up, Alan Donald, I loved, but I, obviously when I was really young, South Africa were playing into cricket, and when they start different, I really did like Alan Donald. But um, no, the one I tried to emulate quite a lot was Curly Ambrose, but I'll, yeah, I had I turned into more of a Glenn McGrath type, very boring Zima, <laughs> than the very, very exciting and excellent to watch Curly Ambrose. But yeah, and I just quite like the way Darren Goff played cricket, always having a laugh. Number three, heroes, yeah, that kind of look. Not looked up to, but wanted to play the game in a similar manner. As seen as Simon's gone with three, I'll go with three, two. Adrian Caper, Clive Rice, and Peter Kirsten. Shows my age demographic there. For those of you that don't know who those cricketers are, go and seek them out on YouTube on a grainy television. Yes, old school. Old school. Yeah. Look, yep. Clive Rice was hard as nails as well. Yeah, as he was, was and he there. used to smash the ball. He's had a very good career, hasn't he? Off the back of his time and whatever. Mine, I'll only give you the two. Ian Austin. <laughs> Simon. What? I know exactly. Simon. Gonna... <laughs> and, and into my mole hat. Both of them. <laughs> both, both a similar shape of cricketer. One of whom I look like in the winter and the other one of whom I look like when I've got a suntan in the summer. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Ian Austin was a hard-hitting, lower-order, bustly seamer who played for Lancashire in the 90s when they were really successful. And Inzi's the bloke who's so fat that he lost his balance and fell all over his stumps one day. So, um, He's also very famous for walking into the crowd with his back because the crowd were apparently calling him a fat potato. I mean, to be fair, I've also been known to do that. They're not polite oh enough to God. say potato, though. So they call me fat something else, generally. So, yeah. Oh, so I could go to bed. Happy tonight, I'm doing. <laughs> Ian Austin in there uh, and into my little hack. Uh, well, and I feel like I've nailed it. I feel like I've got the first time. 
got to be the first time those two have been called heroes in the same kind of context. <laughs> so I, I don't know Ian Austin very well, but is he is he rotund? He's not okay. rotund. He's round. <laughs> so uh, so yeah. But even to be fair, he was a fine he was player. A he, was play, he played for England a little bit when they did that thing where they decided to pick nine all rounders, didn't they? Him and Mark Elam in the middle order. Oh. Unfortunately, it's only the talent levels that seem to be a miss in, in trying to close match myself to those two as closely as possible. I've, I've managed it in a, in some regards, mainly down to the amount of boxes of Mars ice creams I eat. But <laughs> unfortunately, the talent. How's that going, by the way? I haven't. I haven't How's touched one. How many of you? Oh, I'm touching good work, good work. I haven't touched one, so get him out of the box so we don't have to touch the box. Feeding yeah. him like a, yeah. an emperor. Yeah, <laughs> get yeah, Lisa, him out. Yeah. Lisa's doing the walk into the freezer for me. I just sit there <laughs> and consume them like Jab, like Jabba the Hutt being fed like what those little ratty things that you were being fed in Star Wars all those years ago. Anyway, Robert, I genuinely don't think I've ever made you laugh like that, so I feel like <laughs> I've achieved something tonight. That's very funny. Right. So, yes, that was the first listener question. Dylan, thank you very much for the first question. The other two answered it seriously. I obviously, maybe not so much. Um, we do it have, uh, answer it seriously. Crikey. So I was like uh, Glenn Chapel because I grew up in Manchester. I was like Glenn Chapel as a seamer. He had a fantastic career, retired probably into his 40s, I think, or certainly yeah. late. Yeah. And then he went into coaching. At Lancashire. I always remember liking John Crawley as a batsman yes. when I was young. Ramprakash, Lara. Obviously, I tried to go step away from the international ones, like more of a local level. I was a Lancashire fan when I was young. Malloy was a oh, real hard yours. So, yeah, I was a Lancashire fan as I grew up. I'm now just a bit of a martyr, depending on where I seem to live in the country. But, but yeah, so they'd be mine. We've got two more excellent listener questions for a little later in the show. Just want to mention... Now, we talked about Vimto, didn't we, the other week? And, I, and a couple of weeks after that, I said, lads, you wouldn't believe it. There's a listener, Ray Burge, who's obviously helping us with the uh, Ashes Walk, who happens to know the owner of Vimto. Well, fuck me sideways, as Ray come up trumps, for me anyway, because I'm not sure you two like Vimto. But I saw Even Ray... Even if like it, we won't get to see it. Well, no, yeah, I'll I buy don't think we're going to see it <laughs> But I've been presented with six litres of Vimto Cordial, three three bottles of 500ml pre-mixed Vimto, well, they've gone, and they now have a confectionery company that do Vimto-flavoured confectionery. Cool. That all went during the drive home from the meeting that I had with him, that entire box of confectionery. So that's no miles. Do your way before or after this, just... (laughs) After it, I was 82 kilos when I, by the time when I left the meeting. But uh, yeah, yeah, that wonderful. They had like Vimto flavored flying saucers, Vimto lollies, Vimto bonbons. I don't, you two wouldn't have liked them. And obviously, I'm just trying to look out for you because knowing this, how seriously you're taking this weight loss challenge, or I'd just take one for the team. So, so did that. So, yes, thank you, Ray. You're an absolute gentleman. And thank you very much to Mr. Vimto. I can only presume that's his name. I forgot to ask Ray for his name, but if we do find out, we'll thank him personally. But do, if you'd never tried Vimto, like Eugene, you have to try it. They've now got different flavors. They've got one which is blackberry, raspberry, and blueberry. They've got a cherry, raspberry, and blackcurrant one, and obviously the original. They do ones with no added sugar. Unbelievable stuff. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Have they offered you a job, Jack? I'm in charge of marketing. The marketing director or number, yeah, marketing and sales director. There we go, all in one. Well, perfect. Offers accepted. We'll see where we go. Needs a side hustle. Yes, they do. That's not talking, of side hustles. <laughs> talking of side hustles, good segue that huge actually. Joe Root, T20 for him, we would class as a side hustle, wouldn't we? The ECB have in effect released him now to this, is it ITL, this international T20 league in the UAE? I think in reality the ECB, as his employers have to release him, but I think because he hasn't had... He's been playing so much 50-over cricket and test cricket, and obviously he's captain of England. The ECB have said, look, go and earn some money. Don't worry about going to Bangladesh for one day or New Zealand or go and have some fun, mate. We still our plans for the, probably for the World Cup. So 50-over World Cup is coming on, obviously, he's test cricket. But do you know what? And go and enjoy yourself for a little bit, which I really like. What do you think? Two ways of looking at it, isn't there? Either they're saying exactly that or... Is this the first step away from Joe Root in one-day cricket? 
But you, you look at some of the young lads that have come into the, you look at the likes of Harry Brook and the lad that got six for the Ospina. Like these young lads, you look at, yeah, well, well, Jacks, you've got Phil Salt, you've got Alex Hale, potentially, you've got David Milan that's scoring runs in short format cricket. You've got about, I've read today some of four or five English lads have gone out to the Big Bash as cover for the guys that are going to South Africa or this based in Dubai and Dawar, isn't it? So there's two ways looking at it, isn't it? Either the ECB are kind and saying they're going to earn the money or they're going right. Because they've this is at the same time that they've recalled Harry Brook from the South African League. So he's, and he's not paid any more or less cricket than Joe Root. So I, bet, I suppose he's played T20 World Cup, but. Yeah, they're managing his workload, aren't they? That's why they yeah. said that they pulled him. Who was he playing for, Eugene? Was it the Joburg franchise? Yeah, the Joburg franchise, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Harry Brook. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't, I, don't, I don't know who's going to be playing in the England one day squad because I see Moen Ali. Tom Curran, a whole bunch of the lads are playing in this international league T20 that's in Abu Dhabi. You've then got the likes of Joss and a number of the other England players playing in the SA20. So, is there going to the be Lions like an that Eng- are going over? Into the Lions it- that are going over to Bangladesh because I know Saqib Mahmood's going. What do you mean Bangladesh? Um, They're touring South Africa. So England are touring South Africa on the 27th of January, a one-day series. They've got three one days, haven't they? So that's why, obviously, I should have been on a plane to South Africa as we speak. But then when they shifted it from Cape Town, because the SA20, they've now got two one days in Bloemfontein and then another in Kimberley. But they've obviously shifted that because of this SA20 that's being played at all the kind of showcase grounds, if you like, which is interesting, really interesting. Actually. Yeah, two in Bloemfontein and one in Kimberley. But like I said, I mean, you know, that South African squad, I mean, I know that we call them cricketers at the moment because they're top six on the, in a test side anyway is more flaky than a... Mars bar flaky like, in Jono's fridge. Then it's it's. I'm surprised. I'm just surprised to see so many of the players not playing. Yeah, isn't? I thought Moeen Ali was going to the SA20 rather than the ITL thing. Maybe wrong. I saw him in the. I've just looked at the squads. So I see him playing in the ITL. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, SA20. What do we think of that, huge? So obviously this is a franchise-based system, which is. I think mirrors basically some of the same sides from the IPL, isn't it? So own, same owners, similar type thing, a draft system, et cetera. Are you excited yeah. about it or are you, what are oh, you Massively thoughts? excited. Yeah, massively excited about it. I mean, you know, six sides, Durban Super Giants, Jobbik Super Kings, Mumbai Indian, Cape Town, Paul Rocks, Pretoria Capitals and the Sunrisers, Eastern Cape Squad. I mean, I must say it's interesting watching it. I don't know if any of you follow them on any of the Instagram or YouTube channels. I've watched quite a bit of it over the past couple of days. The media hype around it is phenomenal. And I guess it would be, right? I mean, there's a lot of money involved. A lot of people are getting paid a lot of money, which is why a lot of the players want to play in it. So yeah, I'm very excited for it. More importantly, we get to watch more. Good example is we can watch the BBL in the morning. We can then either watch India or the Pakistan games, which is, you know, in between, and then you can watch the SA20. I think there's two games tomorrow. There's one at 3 o'clock and then another one at 5.30. But most of the games are around 3 o'clock if you are interested in watching them. And as Robbo kindly mentioned earlier, it's all on Sky Sports because they've signed a five-year yes. deal. Talking of the Big Bash, huge. You know, I'll come to you on this, Simon. We've seen a lot of the kind of marquee names, if you like, who've been playing in the Big Bash now leaving the Big Bash to go and play in this SA20. Is that to do with their contracts, do you think, with their sides that they represent in the IPL? Do you think that those teams have... I don't understand it. I don't think it's in their contract that they have to, but do you think they have been kind of strong-armed into going to play in this with it being its inaugural year? I think it was a bit of a financial thing for most of the cricket lads. But you, they're going to sit and go where the money is, aren't they? You'd have thought. I don't think they'd be allowed, although they... You think about the way that the draft system normally works and all that kind of stuff you want although they're similar names. I like the fact that Mumbai Indians have not just called it Cape Town Indians or whatever it is. They've gone full Mumbai Indians, Cape Town. That's really making sure they know it is at least the Super Kings or whatever else has kept them separate. But the Chennai Joburg Super Kings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're at Kohli or Captain then, no doubt. But I don't know. You never know what's going off with it, to be honest. They may have been put under a little bit of pressure. If they if they've been signed by the same franchises 
or similar management, similar owners. They may have been, but I thought these two kids would follow the money, most of them. Anyway, at the end of the day, we all know the Big Bash hasn't had the same kind of budget as the IPL or quite clearly this South African T20 league, certainly for this year. So it'll be interesting. I think you said earlier, Marcus Stoinis has actually left the Big Bash to go mm. and play in one of them. So you've thought from that. Yeah. Yeah. How do we think then know. the Big Bash is going to fare off the back of this? Because one of the criticisms of the 100 was that towards the back end, the quality of competition dropped off a cliff because obviously all the marquee names left to go and play in the CPL. Is the Big Bash in danger of feeling the same fate? I think it is because if you look at the way that it's been restructured going forward it's going to be much shorter um and look it was getting long in the tooth right because i mean it starts what middle of december and it goes all the way through till it feels like middle of february that's not factually correct it might be sooner than that but i think because of the number of players that have recently left all the squads not saying that's a bad thing by the way because as much as a number of players have left the squads all of the aussie internationals are now back too so yeah. I heard like two people leaving one squad and they've got two more Australian nationals to replace them. So from that perspective, it actually works out quite well. But yeah, looking at the way that they're talking about it, it is going to be restructured. It might not be next year. It might be the year after, depending on as and when the TV rights deals get signed. I don't know when that happens. Uh, it, it's funny thing is it all comes down to TV right deals. So yeah, we'll see that. We'll watch the space in the next couple of years to see if the big bash gets shorter because of these competing competitions in the SA20 and the International League. I think they've just, um, the ACB have just signed a new TV deal, haven't they? So whether it's either with Channel 7 or Channel 10, I know all I know can remember it's not Channel 9 because I know they used to do it when it was the wide world of sports and the old Hugh club I used to <laughs> kick off and all that, yeah. Billy Birmingham stuff. But yeah, so I know, well, I'm pretty certain I read the other day that the ACB have just signed a new deal with whether that's just for one form of cricket or the other, I don't know, but I did see something on that. So you'd have thought that might be included in the readdressing of anything. Yeah, good point. We're going to move on. We're going to come on to Pakistan now. Obviously, they're playing New Zealand. The first one day was today. Pakistan won. Obviously, their test series quite exciting. Both games, but both finished in draws. So their test series finished nil-nil. We've had another listener question, this time from Jimmy Davies. Did they and do the Pakistan Cricket Board continue to produce six-day pitches in Pakistan to ensure revenue for five days, i.e. revenue prioritised over result pitches? We've seen many test matches finish up for three days. Perhaps the PCP cannot afford for this to happen. Short-term revenue focus. What do we think? It was damn exciting. Uh, yeah. I mean, when you look at the when you look at the tests, the first test, I mean, they won with what? A couple of overs to spare the second test it was down to the last i think what pakistan needed 15 off the last three overs and new zealand needed one test wicket so whether or not that was fabricated to last five days it was fantastic test cricket i wish every other test nation would take a page out of their book because watching test cricket for five days is something that that I think needs to be done. And when I say five days, non-rain affected or weather affected test matches that last five days. I mean, we recently saw South Africa only last two days in one test. The way England and Australia are playing at the moment, they haven't gone further than three days in a lot of their tests, the way that they're playing so, so well. But again, there's another way of looking at this, right? Because when England played Pakistan, there was a couple of tests that lost, that went quite quickly, didn't they? They didn't last the full time, or have I got that wrong? I think they all went... So I think one lasted four days, but I think they were all late on in the game. I really like it. I mean, it, Test Match Cricket is supposed to be long-format cricket. It's supposed to have ebbs and flows, and it's down to the players to make sure that ebbs and flow goes. That We seem to have gone away from players being the entertainers, and it's always seen in, in more recent times, it seems to have been everyone's blaming the pitch because there's only one way to play Test Cricket, and this is how people have done it. Whereas in England and Australia are the two guys leading it at the minute. That first pitch in Pakistan was flat you know, when England played. I mean, they've all been flat, but that one was ridiculously flat. <laughs> but England knew that they needed to score and they need to, like Jono said the other week, you're adding time into the game by scoring your run so quickly. But they knew they needed that amount of time to, to bowl the side out twice. And 
scoring at seven and over on that first day and all this kind of stuff. Players are figuring out that this is an entertainment business and if you don't entertain people, your format's going to die. We talked about this, all the stuff going up around the world at the minute. And like you say, the big bash and players leaving. If people aren't entertained, which some of the big bash hasn't, you look at some of the attendances in the crowd, and yes, I know Australia's a big ground like we discussed last week, but even some of the football and the Olympic stadium grounds, they haven't been anywhere near full. For the first few years of the Big Bash, every seat, every ticket, every game was pretty much sold out. Whereas now, so there's obviously a feeling that it's either there's too much cricket or it's too expensive in Australia, I don't know, or whatever, but you've got to find a way of attracting people to it, and that's on the player. It can't be down to administrators, it can't be down to groundsmen. At the end of the day, if there's no money in the game, there's no game. And so if that Pakistan wave getting money and it's down to the players to keep it going as well because they get paid a lot of money to be involved in the sport and if the money dies, their career dies with it. it can I look at it, it from a slightly different point of view? Not to not because I'm being argumentative at all. I'm just thinking about it from another, maybe in a different way in which the question was posed and maybe that I'm just thinking about it from a slightly different perspective. I think that... The test matches, the pitches for all of the tests, the five tests that we've seen in Pakistan would have lasted six days had they have been played in the traditional way in which test cricket has been played before the last seven months. Okay. I think in the first test, Barbara made what I referred to as a ridiculous declaration. That was the only way that the cricket became exciting. I also think that in the the most recent test, New Zealand and Tim Southey will be kicking themselves because they scored something like 20 runs off 10 overs when, oh, keeper, remind me, and Blundell, and yeah. it was the other one. Oh, Spinner, Bracewell, basically just stood there and blocked the schnauzer off it for 10 overs. Only then did a message come out of, oh, this is on day four, right, lads, kick on, we want to make a declaration because we want to shove them in for three overs before the end of the day. And they ended up, I mean, Pakistan were two for two for none, weren't they? New Zealand will be kicking themselves. But I don't think, that, I think what the point that Jim's trying to make is the pitches are so benign that actually in both of those games, it's due to a brave declaration by Barbara Zam that made it exciting. And actually New Zealand, Tim Sally made a poor declaration by leaving it go on 10 overs longer than it should have because in extra 10 overs, there would have been result. Either Pakistan would have got 14 more or New Zealand would have got a wicket. I think the way in which Basball or Stokes and McCullum or who, however you want to put it, whatever phrase you want to put to it, they have created a monumental shift in the way in which captains and coaching staff, head coaches are now going about their cricket. I don't think had Basball come to pass that Barbara Zam would have made that declaration in the first game. And I actually don't think that Sal- I think Southie would have made a probably an even worse declaration in order to make sure they secure the draw in the second game. So I actually think the pitches could have gone six, maybe into a seventh day. So I think Jim, I agree with Jim on the point of the pitches. I think the pitches have been dire. I think it's actually down to the captains and then being a little bit more brave in trying to force a result. That's why the games have actually been perceived to become exciting because otherwise I think they could have been just really drab affairs. So I actually think he's right in terms of the wickets themselves. We also know, we already know Ramiz Raja, although he's been fired, was talking about getting dropping pitches put in because the quality of pitches in test, match, test matches in Pakistan aren't going to force results. There's no bounce, there's no carry. I know for years and years they've not been well known for that, but they are already they have deduced themselves that the pitches aren't good enough for good quality test cricket. Yeah. Do, do you know yeah. what? Do you know what's also really interesting about all of these, specifically the past series that have gone past. I don't know if you saw the stat: Pakistan have not won a home series in eight series. Yeah, but that's spanning the last twenty-five years, isn't it? Yeah, well, because they didn't play. But when you look yeah. at it, the pitches that are being curated for them, and I don't know if this is where we sort of move on to the World Test Championship because of what's going to happen with Australia playing India was they don't have any home advantage. It's interesting. You go to Australia, you got fast bouncy wickets. You go to South Africa, you got fast bouncy wickets. You go to India, you got Bunsen burners. You go to England, built for swing bowling. You go to Pakistan, well, part of the M25 out there. Yeah, I don't disagree but with what anyone said at all. I think one of the common 
it's an easy cop out for people and supporters to, whereas in nine times about 10 in the country, we'll jump all over players and we'll say, oh, this, that, and the other. I think it's in recent years, when a wicket, as soon as a wicket gets flat, everyone goes, well, this is boring. They forget who the entertainers are supposed to be. Like, and what, yes, Basball has kickstarted this and it's made people sort of start realizing that this is an entertainment industry. And it's easy to say, yeah, three-day test matches are entertaining. But are they? Is it entertaining watching? Is if you're winning, granted. Is it entertaining watching 165 plays, 200 plays, 200 plays, 158 for nine? Again, it's only the last session that's interesting. Yeah. So for me, it's about going, right, who are the entertainers supposed to be? Where's the skill set? Where's the the desire and who is responsible for doing that. And that what the wickets in Pakistan, I'm not saying they're good wickets, but by the same token, the ones in England over the summer when England played the way they did, some of those weren't great wickets, but it's on the players to be the entertainers, not people to just go, well, this is boring. It's on guys to create a game and know if you're, when Australia were really good in the mid, mid noughties, early, uh, late nineties, early noughties, they went on any wicket, flat, not flat, and they found a way to win the game, whether that was scoring at four and a half and everything. All England have done is basically accelerate what they did then. But they found ways of adding time into the game, and that's what the players are responsible for. It's about figuring out what you need to do in order to get a win. And if that means, like Barbara's ended, in order to try and get a win, that means you might lose. And that, for me, is always going to be more entertaining than... Oh, let's. Joe Rude did it for years as England captain. We are not going to lose this game. And so, if it's very scared, back scared on the, to go for the win in case you lose, in effect. Yeah, exactly. And for me, that removes the entertainment. It's that decision. It's not the pitch. It's those decisions that ruin Test cricket. There's a lot of things that can say ruin the Test cricket. For first and foremost, you look at the New Zealand Test series when they call it off a bad light. When there's three overs left in the day is. Yeah. And two spinners are bowling. I'm sorry, like that—that that is what causes shit in Test cricket. People bowling at forty, at twelve, twelve and a half overs an hour is where Test cricket dies. Yeah, like let's go away from this this practice that pitchers are the problem. No, the people who are involved in Test cricket have been the problem, and people yeah. not being not not being not wanting to lose has been an issue. And yes, maybe it's this Test championship. Maybe it's worked an absolute tree, and it's the ICC coming in as an absolute groups of geniuses. I doubt that. But I like the fact it's on the players. I like the fact all of a sudden the declaration is interesting. I mean, it's been happening in county cricket for years, where you'd have a day of rain and all of a sudden in three-day cricket or four-day cricket, and they've got to try and force a result because they know that draws don't matter. Draws draws kill you in county cricket. So because of the way they point to clearing their first innings once upon a time. It's like, oh, yeah, we've got two days left. We'll both declare in our first innings. Both declare, yeah. And we'll just... Let's make a game of <laughs> yeah. it. We are entertainers. Let's make this game entertaining for the people watching. So yeah. uh, I'm not saying the wickets were good or fair or whatever you want to call it, but how people then play makes them fair. Makes a big difference, yeah. Yeah. It'd be really interesting, Jim, just, to, just for you to let us know actually which side of that you were coming from. Hopefully either... The first, one of those answers kind of answered the question. It'd be really interesting to see who you agree with and whatever. We always appreciate the feedback. There's a couple of other bits that I just want to carry come on to before we, this does lead into the World Test Championship stuff. It was what I shared in the group earlier. This is, the tweet came in earlier that I shared with you guys. From I presume he's an Australian guy, Rick Finley. It says, this is so far the most one-sided summer in Australian Test history with the Aussie batting average 2.74 times that of its opponents. I presume that's across the South African series and the West Indies series. Mm. The previous highest was 2.44 when India visited in 1947-48. Probably not what we want. Now, I agree, but as I go back, as I said last week, and I go back to it, I just think the Aussies are frighteningly good in their own conditions. I, I can't, I just think they're unbelievable. And that side is beginning to look scary again. Uh, they just look unreal. Opening batsman, move on to Minus, move on to Steve Smith, move on to Travis Head. It's just Alex Carey. 
It's just runs and more runs. I mean, you compare that top six with any top six in the world, you're shitting your pants. I can't even compare the the English top six to that, if I'm really honest. I mean, I'd like to, but, you know, that's probably one of the scariest top six slash seven that you'll ever see. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how they perform in India because they've got a four-test series coming up, which is going to determine what happens in the World Test Championship. So, yeah, you say they're very strong in their own backyard. Let's see how they perform away from home. On that, Simon, feel free to come in in a second. Just looking, the other thing I shared today, the scheduled test matches per nation between February 23 and March 2027. Basically, Australia play England, India, and South Africa. India play England, Australia, and South Africa. England play India, Australia, and South Africa play India, Australia, and England. The rest of them, I really, I really struggle to see how the test champion, World Test Championship can be fair when A, I mean, certainly England, Australia, and India play miles more tests than anybody. Uh, I think New Zealand are next on 36, India play 42, Australia 44, England play the most with 45. I know some of that's down to Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, and playing seasons and whatever. But Ireland are playing 14. Ireland playing 14, Afghanistan 21, Zimbabwe 22, Sri Lanka, West Indies both 28, Pakistan 27. Like, unless, and there may be, we may need to do a bit more digging into this, but I, unless there's something that weights their results in their favor based on how many games are played, if they play less, whether their wins would be worth more or England's, India's, Australia's are worth less. Otherwise, how can it be fair? Because surely everyone deserves a fair crack at the whip. Is it not percentage win? It's not percentage win. Is it percentage wins combined with a points type thing that forms well, the table? I, I wouldn't pretend to understand it, mate, I'll be honest. But I only know that because when I did look at the table, it, the, sin, the thing that seemed on the right-hand side was percentage wins, which I normally look at. Is the vital table might be me being naive. <laughs> Test cricket is in a very interesting spot at the minute. And it's, I think it's soon going to be, New Zealand are one team for me that you sit and go, right, New Zealand are always competitive. Everywhere. Pretty much. They've gone to Pakistan, been competitive. They go to Australia, they're competitive. They claim over here. I mean, England beat them, yeah, but it's competitive. And they've been competitive for many, like I mean, the World Test Championship finalists, one day, a T20 finalist, World Cup finalists, just a hell of a side in all formats. So, but uh, I don't know is the answer. Uh, the schedule being really, I mean, you look at it at the minute. We currently, you've got the big bash going on at the minute. You've just had that T10 that literally finished. God knows how long ago. You had a, a T20 World Cup. You've got the international whatever tournament that's going off in. in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, you've got the South Africa T20 going off. You've then got the IPL that's coming up soon after that. Not long after that, you've got the 100, whatever you want to call it, the Caribbean Premier League, somewhere thrown in there. You've got the Pakistan Super League, Bangladesh Premier League. We mentioned international cricket here. This is just local domestic crap. And, and so you're standing there going, all these nations, and don't get me wrong, the money spinner, like the Pakistan Super League, has been one of the best in terms of skill set, talent on show, interesting for a very long yeah. time. So are Pakistan going to sacrifice some stuff over their summer to allow test cricket to be played or whatever? Because they're, they're basically they've been playing test cricket in our equivalent of November mm. recently. So are they going to sacrifice that massive money spinner for test cricket that, I mean, how many grounds were anywhere near sold out? Yeah. Next to none. Exactly. I think there was one day when England, it looked like it was going to be competitive and England forced a result. Like the, 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 it was probably 70% full. But Test cricket's got a struggle at the minute. And this is what I mean about players being the entertainers. Un unless you're one of the big three, though. Do you agree? I mean, if you're playing in Australia, if you're playing in England, or if you're playing in India, those grounds are always all sold out. And yeah, but maybe is that that's because why... that's, that, that's where there's, there's the desire for it? I disagree, because I don't think that those grounds are always sold out. I think if 
Australia are playing England or India, they're always sold out. I think if, I mean, in England, we're lucky. They're pretty much always sold out just because of the massive appetite for test cricket. I wouldn't say they're always sold out in India for test cricket, for white ball cricket. Though. Oh, no, what I meant is when they play in each other. Sorry, if I didn't yeah. explain I myself correctly. They play each other there. 100%. Yeah, yeah no, which is why when that. you look at that chart, and we will share this chart on our social streams, but when you look at them, that's why they play against each other so much. And I guess yeah. we always talk about your big three in terms of cash cows. Well, I mean, look at the amount of games. They play the most amount of games. So test no wonder they've got the most yeah. money. Yeah. T- test cricket-wise, yeah. I mean, England never anywhere near as many one-day internationals. Like, you, you, you see people like Tendulkar playing five or four, however many, 400 one-day internationals. I know he played over about 900 years, but... Tenduka. Yeah, Tenduka. No, with an L. Tenduka. Every day is cool there. Kohli's played hundreds and hundreds of ADR cricket, so it's been a long time since England have played 10 years ago. Whatever, England were playing... 10 one-day internationals a year in India and Pakistan were playing 50. Yeah. 50, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I don't know. Test cricket for me is in an interesting spot and needs, it almost needs, for the smaller nations in terms of finances, it needs England, India, Australia to play that many so that the finances go into the ICC and can try and get the likes of Ireland. I mean, the fact that Ireland are playing 40 over the next period and that Afghanistan are playing 21. Like, can you imagine five, six years ago thinking that Afghanistan were going to play well, a test for a start? Yeah. So it's slow progress, but hopefully it's with the way that test cricket is now being played by the majority of nations, it's, they can get it so it's competitive. People have got to find a way of making it competitive. So Right. I've got two more things. Unfortunately, the thing that we really wanted to cover off tonight that we didn't get round to last time, we're going to have to bump into next week's show. Two two more things that we do need to cover off. Finally, we've got one more listener question, and then I've just got something that I promised that I would mention to the man who cannot be named. Not the one that I really don't like, the one that we do like. So, yeah, buckle up, huge. So, the final listener question from Dylan again. With cricket clubs folding all over the place, where do you think grassroots cricket will be in the next five to ten years? Eugene, you're a chairman of a cricket club. Are cricket clubs folding? I think, again, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you my experience. And again, I live with inside of my own bubble. So I live with inside of London. If anything, cricket club cricket is growing. We are seeing more and more clubs now putting out sixth 11s in the leagues instead of cricket clubs folding. So I don't know if it's a regional thing. I can give you my view as to where we are, where I am. I was talking to some of my league representatives over about two weeks ago, and there are more 6-11s out this season for us in our league than there have ever been. So, yeah, it's interesting to say cricket clubs are folding. We also expanded our league with an additional six clubs that have joined. Wow. So... Wow. We've now got a division. Have they come, have they come from other leagues, though, or are these new clubs so, that have formed? It's a good question. Three and three. So they used okay. to play Sunday cricket. They're now moving into competitive and they want to join. I mean, I'll do a name check on one. One of them is called the Ultimate Warriors, like the WWE star. And their, uh, their club emblem is said WWE star called Get the Ultimate it. Warrior. <laughs> do they all do they run on and like shake the ropes? Yeah, him. <laughs> Absolutely. Which is fantastic. Often not so. on steroids, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> not on the yeah, so, so again, it's regional, I guess. I think it's growing. What do you guys see? I think some people in cricket, I know having played club cricket down in Kent and around London, I see what people mean in Kent and, and in London and see what I mean with how, but what they've got down there is kind of, we would call them like super club. Yeah. So a lot of them are sporting facilities. I know Twickenham Yawn isn't. You get Hampstead, you go to Uxbridge, you go to... Wimbledon. Wimbledon. You go to all these things, not just cricket clubs, they're huge sports. And so what they kind of do, probably a few years ago when these things started, they almost swallowed up the smaller, like you say, some of the clubs are now starting to reform. And I know Tom Lightfoot, who was mentioned, has set up a club down in Brighton. And yeah. they're going in and now looking to play league cricket on a Saturday as opposed to playing friendly cricket on a Sunday. But my thing up here is, I, I personally think there needs to be a, a massive change 
in club cricket, and I know Dylan plays for our club. I think clubs need to buy, have a, a bit of a pride check in a lot of situations. Yeah. And I think there's a bit of a thing at the minute about people saying they play in a first team as opposed to saying they play at a club. So a lot of people will go... Club within a club, so to speak, yeah. Yeah, I play in the first team at such and such. Whereas if you go to Australia, it doesn't matter whether you play first team, fourth grade, first grade, fourth, fourth grade, whatever. Do you play cricket? Yeah, I play at Penrith. Yeah, I play at Toomball in Brisbane. Yeah, I play at... No one cares about what grade you play at. So I think everyone in cricket and it, i'm not saying that grounds need to be folded and all this kind of stuff but there's sides that have got two teams or one and a half team that at the first two games of the year they might get 22 players so they can perhaps play on second team and then it gets to four weeks into the season and they're struggling to fulfill fixtures what why it can't is there not a point where we can go right you're amalgamating you can still play cricket at that ground i'll pick one and i don't want these to fall down anywhere there's a cycle hovering them that play in our league and they've done all right they're growing but they're in they've got no junior set up and they're within two miles of two clubs that've got a huge junior setup mm. you've got thurgerton yeah. massive junior setup next to no adult setup which is really strange and then you've got mm. kathor which is a huge so for the good of cricket, someone at that cricket club needs to go, hang on a minute, we would be better off amalgamating either with Thurgerton, who got a junior, big junior cell, but next to no adult cell, you thought that'd be the perfect one, or Kathor, or Southern, or someone of these other bigger clubs. And I'm not saying that we understand that these traditionalists will go, well, that means that we're not going to have cricket here. Of course it would. We haven't got the grounds. Yeah. If people have got six clubs, they've got they, they, you need to have three grounds or six grounds, six teams. Mm. Yeah. There's Here's two. a question. I was going to ask. I was going to ask a question. When clubs fold, is it because of lack of players or is it financial? And there's a reason. This is a loaded question. I know a lot of the leagues pay a lot of money to players to play for them, which I don't agree with personally. I think that you play cricket for the love of the game, and because we're club cricketers, what do you win if you win the title? Fuck all. He's 10. So why pay? Yeah. So why pay players? I don't get it. If yeah, somebody I mean, is going to invest in your club and coach your juniors or provide something that plays back, that's where I feel like you're willing to pay people there. I just mm. don't understand the concept of paying a gun for hire to take a load of wickets or score a load of runs. Yeah. Look, a couple of points I've got. There are a couple of clubs here. Everton and Bawtry, who have amalgamated this year in the Bassett Law League. And it is happening up here. And it, it is more rural. I think in London's a, a, its own beast, isn't it? A, across a number of different things. But there's so many people. I, it's, it's funny because obviously I've been played in London for so long. I try and compare the level of Premier League cricket here to where it was when I was obviously played it in London. And, and it's, it, it's very difficult to do because you can never play in two places at the same time. My view on it is always that in London, you've got so many more people to pick from that that would suggest to me that the standard probably is a bit higher. I mean, it's a long time since I played Premier League cricket down there, but there are so many Antipodeans down there who are good cricketers who come over to live in the UK or whatever and then qualify as local players rather than overseas and what have you. I think that does have to drive the standard up. Although, I mean, Premier League cricket in Knotts is, is very strong, but that is... That would always be my argument and it's consistently my argument to people. And I'm never trying to downplay the quality of cricket up here because it's very good. But when trying to compare the two, my initial thought would be that the standard in London would be slightly higher just because you've got a bigger pool of players from which to pick. But there's possibly more clubs and so that might level it out. I don't know, but that would be my initial argument. In terms of paid amateurs, Christ almighty, in the time that I've been playing a decent level of cricket over a number of years, I have seen some very average club cricketers receiving money. Non, non more. I mean, so the Knotts Premier League now has gone from a rule of only one overseas and one professional. They've now opened up the league. So in effect, anybody can be paid. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? There's one club here that the rumors are that they have a wage bill that's in six figures. Now, whether there's any truth behind that or not, or whether that's just a rumor mill turning. But ultimately, there's talk of their second team, five blokes being paid in there. Now, again, whether there's any truth in it or not, I don't know. But ultimately, what do you win at the end of the year? Well, probably two bits of tin if you win your first 11 competition and your second 11 competition. My view on that is that if someone's got that much money to put into a club, 
then that money has probably not been made by the cleanest of means, shall we say, because you've got to be a very rich boy indeed if you can afford to put 100 grand a year into a cricket club to win two bits of tin anyway. But, you know, the whole, but also the danger here, and I've been very open about this, is for me, a cricket club has always been a community and I've always been incredibly loyal to wherever I've played. I think that you then get mercenaries who are crap cricketers who once someone waves 30 quid a week under the nose, they feel like it's a big gun and so they'll go and play for them. So it's very hard to then create a club in inverted commas and create that loyalty because to build a successful club, you need buy-in from the members to support functions and this, that, and the other. Well, if the only way that people are going to support you as a club or be a part of your club is because you're giving them 20 quid's petrol money just to come and pay and offer them free subs every year, then there's no relationship. They're not playing for you because they want to play for you. They're playing because you're offering to pay their petrol and to them that's a better deal than having to pay their own petrol. So it creates a massively false economy, I think. So certainly at Pat, director of cricket, Sam, who I talk to a lot about this, who's obviously been on the podcast with Robbo and I, we're very much against the whole kind of paying of players. I think the club has been down that route before a long time ago. Rob will be able to talk about that. And actually it killed the club for a period, like not killed the club, but the club went to very much rebuild once that, once that changed. Saying that there's Retford up the road, who used to play second team Notts games. Usman Afzal, who played, used to play for Surrey, went there, took a load of his mates, spent a load of money. They all fucked off. Next thing, the club's gone down five or six divisions in five or six years and then they have to go through a massively rebuilding thing so i think there's a balance play within the rules but also try and achieve sustainable success and that isn't organic growth paying all 11 players all 20 players on your book between 50 quid and 500 quid a week it's ridiculous like as you say cricket you should play for fun and because you love the game not because someone's giving you a brown envelope with a couple of reddies in it every week Talk, talking of fun. Yeah, I love it. Talking of fun. Should we have a pre-season tour? Twickenham comes up or comes up to Pepper. Well, I mean, we'd love that. We'd love that. Because I, I know we're looking I know we're looking for a tour. Oh, yeah. I have to play the game on the Sunday, though. I think the two weekends of Saturday fixtures have been finalised. We'll, we'll talk put about it this way. We, when I say we are looking for a tour, we're looking for a Saturday and a Sunday game. Well, the Sunday's perfect then, and I'm pretty sure we'll be able to find you someone to play on a Saturday, a decent level, and then we can have a big night out, probably in Mansfield. I shall talk to our, I shall, well, I definitely will not be playing. I shall talk to Carlos, our first team captain. Lovely. Yeah, finally, the final thing before we uh, talk about the tabs, this is your new nickname, Eugene, and the present that you're going to be presented with next time that Mark and I see you. Remind me. what, What do you think that present might be? A scale? No. Why, oh, why Monty. Ma- what is it? Monty. Monty. What's it? Why would Mark and I want to buy you a Canadian Mounties hat? No idea. <laughs> Mark asked me to mention it. Just asked me to Wonderful. mention it. Wonderful. Yeah. There you go, Mark. I've done, my, I've done my duty. Mark, as you will well know by now, is the CEO of the Lord's Tavernist. We you will be talking. Too many times. We, yes. Yeah. I was texting him about that before he was disgusted about the fact that he's, he thinks that we now mention him in the same breath as Tom Christie. <laughs> I said, I will never mention you in the same breath as that man. Fellow Taverner, as he is. Yes, we will be coming back to you to talk more about the Ashes Walk, something we're extremely excited about. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on. Big meeting tomorrow to see how we're going to push it forward again. But look. Gentlemen, thank you again. Luckily, the baby's been quiet. So, I mean, he's probably going to wake up soon and that's my night over. But yeah, an absolute pleasure as always. Thanks for the questions, guys. Keep firing them in. Info slugging it uk. Nailed it. Or Instagram um, or Twitter. Instagram, Twitter, wherever. Facebook. And then I have a favour um, to ask. Follow us on TikTok, lads and ladies. Oh, and TikTok as well. And uh, also rate five stars only. The score. And yeah, uh, yeah I guess until next week, have a good one. Also, Thank Simon, soon. Simon, please be better with the song next week. I no. think you'll find that's been my favourite song so far, Johnny. So I'm going to stick on that <laughs> thing for two reasons. One, I thought it was amazing. Two, it pissed you off. It didn't piss me off. I just didn't know it. Yeah, yeah. you stumped Jono naturally. That normally happens a lot. He, but... he, he, won't, be the, he won't be the first. I was going to say that's that. never happened. He's never got out of his crease. <laughs>
<laughs> I am fleet of foot and often miss it. Well, you better be for that la, walk we've got coming up. A la my two heroes, Ian and Inzi. I'll tell you what, there's another not hoping Ellery and Austin wandering out. That is grand. <laughs> anyway, love you both. Love you all listeners. See you next time. Love you, bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.